Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning. Hello, beloved family. I'm happy to be with you. How are you doing? I hope you had a good weekend. I know problems are increasing, but I hope that uh, you're getting together with your family and and um, really speaking about the faith and how you can be truly in the world and not of it, because God is bringing us to that. We're soon not going to be able to be of this world, I think. And it's good to be able to come together and begin to live out your faith at home and uh, prepare to homeschool your children and uh, read the faith together and love one another and um, uh, kind of the way it used to be before I was born. But um, I have an article that um, uh, the was uh, an interview um, uh, with Archbishop, with Bishop rather, I'm not promoting him, Athanasius Snyder, um, on the church's handling of the coronavirus. And it's um, he was interviewed... Uh, by Diane Montagna, and this interview is written and edited by Diane, a um, very good woman. Um, and she is also the editor of uh, uh, Christus Vincit, uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder's uh, new book, which I suggest that everybody read. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, and you'll get his his testimony, his life as a child growing up in a communist uh, Russia and uh, not having the Eucharist, not having a priest for months, if not years. I have to reread it to get the timing of that, but um, he knows what he's talking about. And so when he warns us of today and uh, the measures we take today in the face of such persecution, he's been through this and much, much, much worse. He can lead the way. He can tell us, and he's doing just that. And I, for one, am very grateful about it. This is an interview that was done just a few months ago um, on the church's handling of coronavirus. And um, it's, it's certainly relevant today. And since most of our calls and texts and emails are our questions on the church's handling of the coronavirus and communion and all of that. I thought I would read this um, interview for all of us. And the first question is from Diane to um, Bishop Athanasius. She says, Your Excellency, what is your general impression of the way the church is handling the coronavirus epidemic? And he responds, My general impression is that the prevailing majority of bishops uh, reacted precipitously and out of panic in prohibiting all public masses and, what is even more incomprehensible, in closing churches. Now, you're going to say, Mother Miriam, will you please stop being negative? Will you please stop doing this? The bishops are doing the best they can. Well, they may be. I I can't judge that. But um, I think that... Bishop Athanasius, Cardinal Seurat, Cardinal Burke, Cardinal Mueller, uh, other very good and holy prelates, um, I think we need to hear what they're saying. Um, Excuse me just a moment. We're going to put the placard up for one moment while I help my cold a little bit. 
okay, I'm back. Um, and so, again, um, with the question, Your Excellency, what is your general impression of the way the Church is handling the coronavirus epidemic? The bishop responds, My general impression is that the prevailing majority of bishops reacted precipitously and out of panic in prohibiting all public masses and what is even more incomprehensible in closing churches. Such bishops reacted more like civil bureaucrats than shepherds in focusing too exclusively on all the hygienic protective measures they have lost a supernatural vision and have abandoned the primacy of the eternal good of souls. <clears throat> Again, dear beloved, um, I know many people are, are very against me for, for certain things that I've insisted on, um, but I only have the courage, uh, uh, the audacity to assist on them insist because it's not my thoughts alone. I would not do that without checking them against such holy bishops and canon lawyers as these. Um, Diane Montagna uh, asks, the Diocese of Rome swiftly suspended all public masses to comply with government directives. Bishops around the world have taken similar action. The Polish bishops, on the other hand, have called for more masses to be celebrated so that the congregation is smaller. What is your view on the decision to suspend public masses to prevent the spread of the coronavirus? And the bishop answers, as long as supermarkets are open and accessible, and as long as people have access to public transportation, one cannot see a plausible reason for banning people from assisting at Holy Mass in a church. One could um, guarantee in churches the same and even better hygienic protective measures. For example, before each Mass, one could disinfect the pews and doors. Everyone who enters the church could disinfect their hands. Other similar measures could also be taken. One could limit the number of participants and increase the frequency of Mass celebration. And I'll just pause to say that's what our priest has done. We go to um, FSSP Parish. And he has two Masses on Sunday, and now he has four. And he'll have people sign up for the four Masses so that everybody could be a part. Because if you can't have one crowded Mass and three half-empty Masses, so he has a sign up for them in, in order to give everyone the opportunity to attend that Mass. And nobody who wants to attend Mass on Sunday is left out. One could limit the number of participants and increase the frequency of mass celebration. We have an inspiring, this is still the bishop's response, we have an inspiring example of a supernatural vision in times of epidemic in Tanzania's present John Magufuli. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it correctly. President Magufuli, who is a practicing Catholic, said on Sunday, this is March 22nd of this year, the Tare Sunday, at the Cathedral of St. Paul in the Tanzanian capital of Domoma, I insist, quote, I insist to you, my fellow Christians, and even Muslims, do not be afraid. Do not stop gathering together to glorify God and praise him. That is why, as a government, we did not close down churches or mosques, 
Instead, they should be always open for the people to seek refuge to God. Churches are places where people can seek true healing because there, there the true God resides. Do not be afraid of praising and seeking God's face in the church. Again, um, referring to the Eucharist, uh, President Magufuli also spoke, the president of Tanzania also spoke these encouraging words, quote, the coronavirus cannot survive in the Eucharistic body of Christ. I'm going to repeat that. The coronavirus cannot survive in the Eucharistic body of Christ. It will soon be burnt away. That is exactly why I did not panic while receiving Holy Communion, because I knew that with Jesus in the Eucharist, I am safe. This is the time for building our faith in God. Diane questions, do you think it is responsible for a priest to celebrate a private mass with a few lay faithful present while taking necessary health precautions. And Bishop Athanasius says it is responsible and also meritorious and would be an authentic pastoral act, provided, of course, that the priest takes the necessary health precautions. Diane, priests are in a difficult position in this situation. Some good priests are being criticized for obeying the directives of their bishop to suspend, suspend public masses while they continue to celebrate a private mass. Others are looking for creative ways to hear confessions while seeking to safeguard people's health. What advice would you give to priests on living out their vocation in these times? And the bishop answers, Priests must recall that they are first and foremost shepherds of immortal souls. They are to imitate Christ who said, quote, The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. End quote from John chapter 10. Bishop Athanasius continues, If a priest observes in a reasonable matter, manner all the necessary health precautions and uses discretion, he has not to obey the directives of his bishop or the government to suspend Mass for the faithful. Now that is an absolutely... Shocking statement, even to bishops and priests. Um, but it's true. It is true. And people have uh, criticized me for saying it, but I'm not the one who could ever speak such a thing. I'm only repeating what these good and holy bishops have said. Um, beloved, this is a pre-recorded program. I forgot to tell you that at the beginning, dear ones. Um, it's a new program, but pre-recorded for you this for this Monday, and so you will not be able to call in. Um, we won't be able to take your calls or emails today, new emails, but um, we'll be right back, and we'll be live with you tomorrow.
Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. This is Rick Paolini and Father Jacek Mazur. Join us every Sunday morning. We'll be delving into the diary of St. Maria Faustina and discussing the topics important in your life. Whether you're wrestling with willpower or praying for patience, God uses the diary to speak to your struggles. So tune in for Divine Mercy in My Soul every Sunday morning at 11. And catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday evening at 8. Jesu ufam tobie. Jesus, I trust in you. Hi, this is Terry Barber from The Terry and Jesse Show. We bring you the gospel with clarity and charity. If you have any questions about the faith or what is happening in the church, be sure to tune in at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 Pacific. You can call us during the show, 888-526-2151. The Terry and Jesse Show, weekdays, 2 p.m. Eastern, on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network and heard around the world on the iCatholic Radio app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are live, but we're pre-recorded today, so we won't be able to take your calls and emails today or your texts, but we will be live back with you tomorrow. But this is a brand new program pre-recorded for this Monday, and we are right in the middle of reading an article, actually an interview of Diane Montagna uh, of uh, Bishop uh, Athanasius Snyder on the Church's handling of the coronavirus. And... um, let me just see. Um, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Bishop Snyder has said, I just read a very shocking statement. Uh, let me go back to the context of it. Diana asks Bishop, priests are in a difficult position in this situation. Some good priests are being criticized for obeying the directives of their bishop to suspend public masses while they continue to celebrate a private mass. Others are looking for creative ways to hear confessions while seeking to safeguard people's health. What advice would you give to priests on living out their vocation in these times? And Bishop Snyder answers, priests must recall that they are first and foremost shepherds of immortal souls. They are to imitate Christ who said, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd, those own whose own the sheep are not, 
sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, said our Lord. I know my own, and my own know me, from John chapter 10. And so Bishop Athanasius continues, if a priest observes in a reasonable manner all the necessary health precautions and uses discretion, he has not to obey the directives of his bishop or the government to dispend mass for the faithful. Now, I know at this point some of you are gasping, Uh, Some of you may have gasped before or said, forget Mother Miriam or forget the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News who who, uh, live stream her, all of that. Not so quickly, beloved, not so quickly. This is a time for us to learn and to grow in our faith and not, you can dismiss me, but not a a good bishop like this. Um, Yeah. uh, Bishop Athanasius, says, Athanasius Snyder says, such directives are a pure human law. You hear that? Uh, that uh, if a priest observes in a reasonable manner all the necessary health precautions and uses discretion, he has not to obey the directives of his bishop or the government to suspend mass for the faithful. Such directives are a pure human law. However, the supreme law in the church is the salvation of souls. Priests in such a situation have to be extremely creative in order to provide for the faithful, even for a small group, the celebration of Holy Mass and the reception of the sacraments. Such was the pastoral behavior of all confessor and martyr priests in the time of persecution." Very important, beloved. Our own thoughts or what we've been told or thought previously can can get in the way of this, but I, I would urge us to open our hearts and listen to this carefully. Listen to this carefully. That's why some were martyred, because they would not uh, put fear before the salvation of souls. Diane Montagna continues... Uh, is defiance of authority, particularly ecclesial authority by priests, ever legitimate? Uh, in other words, if a priest is told not to go and visit the sick and dying, is that legitimate? And the bishop responds, if a priest is prohibited by an ecclesial authority from going to visit the sick and dying, he cannot obey. I know this is a shock to you. Because we talk about obedience, but beloved, um, uh, we will be done with our faith. The whole faith, the sheep, the shepherd will be destroyed. We have protections from God and what uh, are human uh, directives that uh, counter God's directives Uh, Human directives cannot override God's directives, beloved. And sometimes we need good bishops, such as Bishop Athanasius Snyder and Cardinal Burke has said the same. Cardinal Seurat has said the same. If a priest is prohibited by an ecclesial authority from going to visit the sick and dying, he cannot obey. Such a prohibition is an abuse of power, 
Christ did not give a bishop the power to forbid visiting the sick and dying. A true priest will do everything he can to visit a dying person. Many priests have done so, even when it meant putting their lives in danger, either in the case of a persecution or in the case of an epidemic. We have plenty of examples of such priests in the history of the Church. St. Charles Borromeo, for instance, gave Holy Communion with his own hands on the tongue of dying persons who were infected with the plague in his day. In our own day, we have the moving and edifying example of priests, especially from the region of Bergamo in northern Italy, who were infected and died because they cared for dying coronavirus patients. A 72-year-old priest with coronavirus died a few days ago in Italy after giving up the ventilator, which he needed to survive, and allowed it to be given to a younger patient. Not to go and visit the sick and dying is the behavior more of a hireling than a good shepherd. And Diana Montagna asks, Your early years were spent in the Soviet underground church. What insight or perspective would you like to share with the lay faithful who are not able to attend Mass and in some cases cannot even spend time before the Blessed Sacrament because all the churches in their diocese have been closed. The bishop responds, I would encourage the faithful to make frequent acts of spiritual communion. They could read and contemplate the daily Mass readings and the entire order of Mass. They could send their holy guardian angel to adore Jesus Christ in the tabernacle on their behalf. They could unite themselves spiritually with all Christians who are in prison for the sake of their faith, with all Christians who are ill and bedridden, with all dying Christians who are deprived of the sacraments. God will fill this time of a temporal deprivation of the Holy Mass and the Blessed Sacrament with many graces. Next question from Diane. The Vatican recently announced Easter liturgies will be celebrated without the faithful present. This was in March. Later, it later specified that it is studying ways of implementation and participation that respect security measures put in place to prevent the spread of coronavirus. What is your view on this decision, the decision that Easter liturgies will be celebrated without the faithful present? I tell you what, we could not get over that. And Bishop Snyder says, given the strict prohibition of mass gatherings by the Italian governmental authorities, one can understand that the Pope cannot celebrate the liturgies of Holy Week with the attendance of a large number of faithful. I think that the Holy Week liturgies could be celebrated by the Pope with all the dignity and without abridgments, for instance, in the Sistine Chapel as was the custom of popes before the Second Vatican Council, with the participation of the clergy, cardinals and priests, and a selected group of faithful to whom hygienic protective measures are previously applied. One cannot see the logic in prohibiting the lighting of the fire, the blessing of the water, and of baptizing the East at the Easter Vigil, 
as if these actions would spread a virus, a quasi-pathological fear has overcome common reason and supernatural vision. Diane asks, Your Excellency, what is the Church's handling of the coronavirus epidemic revealing about the state of the Church and particularly of the hierarchy? And the bishop responds, It is revealing the loss of supernatural faith. In recent decades, many members of the Church's hierarchy have been immersed predominantly in secular, interworldly, and temporal affairs and have thus become blind to supernatural and eternal realities. Their eyes have been filled with the dust of earthly occupations, as St. Gregory the Great once said. Um, and it's, it's in his um, uh, uh, document, Regula Pastoralis. Their reaction in handling the coronavirus epidemic has revealed that they give more importance to the mortal body than to, to the immortal soul of men, Forgetting the words of our Lord, quote, for what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and suffer the loss of his soul, end quote. The same bishops who now try to protect, sometimes with disproportionate measures, the bodies of their faithful from contamination with a material virus, tranquilly allow the poison virus of heretical teachings and practices to spread among their flock. Now, I know, beloved, um, I know this. Many people are going to say, who does Mother Miriam think she is? Well, I think I am a sheep, and I am simply reading to you um, the words of one of the most holy shepherds in the church who does not stand alone on this. This is church teaching. Um, he's, He's going by experience from his own life under communism and Again, heroes such as Charles Borromeo, um, St. Vincent de Paul. I remember St. Vincent de Paul going into uh, a a city in France where the doors and windows and everything was completely locked. The church had cobwebs in it and because of a pandemic that was going on. And he went through the church, banged on doors, opened up the homes of dying people, took them out, and, and help them because he was a shepherd of souls to get them to heaven. Diana asks, Cardinal Vincent Nichols recently said that we will have a new hunger for the Eucharist after the coronavirus epidemic is passed. Do you agree? Bishop Schneider says... I hope that these words will prove to be true among many Catholics. And then he continues, and we're going to continue, beloved, when we come back from the break. Uh, We won't be able to take your calls today because the program is pre-recorded, brand new for you today, but pre-recorded. We'll be back live with you tomorrow, and you can all call in at that time. So no calls or emails today, but we'll be with you tomorrow, and we'll be right back after this break.
The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are going to continue um, with this interview of Diane Montagna um, of Bishop Snyder, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, on the effect of the coronavirus in the church. Um, and again, um, this is a program today is brand new for you, but pre-recorded, so you won't be able to call in uh, or text or email today. But um, we will be absolutely live tomorrow, and you can all call at once tomorrow. In fact, um, uh, we'll take your calls earlier tomorrow because we haven't been able to take them today. So we're now reading an interview of Diane Montagnet, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, on the coronavirus and our response to it. And uh, Diana's last question, which we read just before the break, is Cardinal Vincent Nichols, She's asking this of Bishop Snyder. Cardinal Vincent Nichols recently said that we will have a new hunger for the Eucharist after the coronavirus epidemic is passed. Do you agree? Bishop Snyder responds, I hope that these words will prove to be true among many Catholics. It is a common human experience that the prolonged deprivation of an important reality inflames the hearts of people with a longing for it. This applies, of course, to those who really believe and love the Eucharist. Such an experience also helps one to reflect more deeply upon the meaning and value of the Holy Eucharist. 
perhaps those Catholics who were so accustomed to the Holy of Holies that they came to consider it as something ordinary and common will experience a spiritual conversion and understand and treat the Holy Eucharist henceforth as an extraordinary, as extraordinary and sublime. Diana's question. On Sunday, March 15th, Pope Francis went to pray before the image of the Salus Populo Romani at Santa Maria um, Maggiore. I I know how to pronounce that. um, Maggiore. And before the miraculous crucifix housed in the church of San Marcello at uh, Al Corso. Sorry about my Italian, beloved. Do you think it is important that bishops and cardinals carry out similar acts of public prayer for an end to the coronavirus? Bishop responds, the example of Pope Francis may encourage many bishops to similar acts of public witness of faith and prayer and to concrete signs of penance that implore God to end the epidemic One could recommend that bishops and priests regularly traverse their cities, towns, and villages with the Blessed Sacrament and the Monstrance, accompanied by a small number of clerics or faithful, one, two, or three, depending upon the government regulations. Such processions with the Eucharistic Lord will convey to the faithful and to citizens the consolation and joy that they are not alone in time of tribulation, that the Lord is truly with them, that the church is a mother who has neither forgotten nor abandoned her children. Oh, this is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. A worldwide, he continues, a worldwide chain of monstrances carrying the Eucharistic Lord through the streets of this world could be launched. Such mini Eucharistic processions, even if carried out only by a bishop or a priest alone, will implore graces of physical and spiritual healing and conversion. And beloved, in our country, we've seen a few priests do that. Um, uh, Bishop uh, Strickland of Tyler, Texas, uh, went on procession with the monstrance. Others have done so. A couple of priests have uh, taken to a helicopter with the monstrance and uh, to fly over the city and bless it. Diana's next question, Diane Montagna. The coronavirus broke out in China not long after the Amazon Synod. Some in the media strongly believe this is divine retribution for the Pachamama events in the Vatican. Others believe it is a divine chastisement for the Vatican-China Accord. Do you think either of these positions are valid? Bishop Snyder responds, The coronavirus epidemic, in my view, is without doubt a divine intervention to chastise and purify the sinful world and also the church. We ought not to forget that our Lord Jesus Christ considered physical catastrophes as divine chastisements. We read, for example, there was some present at that very time who told him, our Lord, of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think these these Galileans are worse sinners than all Galileans because they suffered thus? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. 
or those 18 upon whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Bishop Snyder says the cultic veneration of the pagan idol of Pachamama inside the Vatican with the approval of the Pope was to be sure a great sin of infidelity through the first commandment of the Decalogue. It was an abomination. Every attempt of to minimize, to minimize this act of veneration cannot withstand the barrage of obvious evidence and reason. I think, says the bishop, that such acts of idolatry were the culmination of a series of other acts of high-ranking members of the Church's hierarchy in past decades. I do not have absolute certainty that the outbreak of the coronavirus is a divine retribution for the Pachamama events in the Vatican, but considering such a possibility would not be far-fetched. Already in the beginning of the Church, Christ rebuked the bishops, angels of the churches of Pergamum and Thyatira because of their connivance with the idolatry and adultery. The figure of Jezebel, who seduced the church into idolatry and adultery, uh, Revelation chapter 2, might also be understood as a symbol of the world in our day, with whom many charged with responsibility in the church today are flirting. This is serious, beloved. Bishop Snyder continues here. The following words of Christ remain valid for our time as well. Quote, Those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works, end quote, from Revelation chapter 2. Christ threatened, Bishop Snyder says, Christ threatened chastisement and called the churches to penance. Quote, I have a few things against you, our Lord said. You have some there who hold the teaching um, that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. Revelation chapter 2, end quote. I am convinced, says Bishop Snyder, that Christ would repeat the same words to Pope Francis and to other bishops who allow the idolatrous veneration of Pachamama and who implicitly approve sexual relationships outside a valid marriage, and by allowing the so-called divorce and remarried who are sexually active to receive Holy Communion. Diane Montagna continues, You have pointed to the Gospels and to the book of Revelation. Does the way God dealt with his chosen people in the Old Testament give us any insight into the present? Sorry, the present situation. Let me reread that. You have pointed to the Gospels and to the book of Revelation. Does the way God dealt with his chosen people in the Old Testament 
give us any insight into the present situation. And Bishop Snyder responds, the coronavirus epidemic has caused a situation within the church that, to my knowledge, is unique, i.e., a quasi-worldwide ban of all public masses. This is partially analogous to the ban of Christian worship in an almost in almost the entire Roman Empire in the first three centuries. The current situation is unprecedented, however, because in our case, the ban of public worship was issued by Catholic bishops and even before the relevant government mandates. In some way, the present situation can be also compared to the cessation of the sacrificial worship of the Temple of Jerusalem during the Babylonian captivity of the chosen people of God. In the Bible, divine chastisement was considered as a grace. Do you hear that, beloved? Divine chastisement was considered as a grace. Quote, blessed is the man whom God corrects. Refuse not, therefore, the chastising of the Lord, for he wounds and curses, he strikes, and his hands shall heal. Job chapter 5. And to those whom I love, I reprove and discipline um, to be jealous, zealous, and repent. Revelation 3. The only adequate reaction to tribulation, catastrophes, and ep- epidemics, and similar situations, which from the sleep of sin and indifference toward God's commandments. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I messed that sentence up. Let me start again. The only adequate reaction to tribulation, catastrophes, and epidemics, and similar situations, which are all instruments in the hand of divine providence, is to awaken people from the sleep of sin and indifference toward God's commandments and eternal life. It's penance and sincere conversion to God. The only remedy, the only reaction is penance and sincere conversion to God and his commandments. In the following prayer, the prophet Daniel gives to the faithful of all time an example of the true mindset they should have and how they should behave and pray in time of tribulation. Pardon me, dear ones, and quote here from Daniel. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. O oh my God, incline your ear and hear, open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name, for we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive, O Lord, pay attention and act. Delete not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Delay not, For your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. 
Ah, this is rough. This is rough. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It was the God of wrath of the Old Testament, who was also a God of love, who sent his son to die for us on the cross, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. But that God is the same just, sovereign, holy God today as he was back then. So you may think some of these are harsh, but they're not, beloved. God is withholding his wrath and not putting us to death, which is the price of our sin. There's our break, beloved. We come back. It'll be our last segment. And again, you will not be able to call in um, because this program today is pre-recorded. but we will conclude our article when we come back. Don't go away. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. My name is Jesse Romero. I'm a retired Los Angeles cop. I'm a Catholic lay evangelist. You probably hear me Monday through Friday at the Terry and Jesse show. My new show on spiritual warfare is called Jesus 911. Every Saturday at noon, that's a soul patrol Catholic program where three cops on fire with our Catholic faith. You can hear this program around the world on the iCatholic radio app. Jesus 911, Saturdays at noon here on the Station of the Cross Radio Catholic Network. God bless you. Keep the faith. The Catholic Current on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. These groups are getting all of this money and doing things, I think, that are endangering our sovereignty and endangering our safety. Uh, what is it about the culture that, that needs to be fixed or purified? Well, I mean, it's pretty much everything, you know, when we come down to it. Tune in weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross and iCatholic Radio for The Catholic Current, bringing Christ to the world and the world to Christ. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment today, and um, I mentioned earlier that today's program is brand new, pre-recorded for you, but because it's pre-recorded, you will not be able to call in or text or email. We're going to continue this interview. We will be back with you live tomorrow, so save up all your calls, and you could flood the phone lines tomorrow if you wish. Um, 
We've been reading an interview of Diane Montagna, um, uh, of Bishop Athanasius Snyder's, um, his response to the handling of the coronavirus. And Diane's, and this is toward the end of the article now, um, uh, Diane asked the next question. She says, St. Robert Bellarmine wrote, quote, Sure signs concerning the coming of Antichrist. Um, the greatest and last persecution, and also the public sacrifice of the mass shall be shall completely cease. Now listen to this. Sure signs concerning the coming of the Antichrist, the greatest and last persecution, and also the public sacrifice of the mass shall completely cease. It's the prophecy of Daniel. Um, um And she says, do you think what he refers to here is what we are now witnessing? Is it the beginning of the great chastisement prophesied in the book of Revelation? And um, Bishop Snyder says this, the current situation provides sufficient reasonable grounds to think that we are at the beginning of an apocalyptic time, which includes divine chastisements. Our Lord referred to the prophecy of Daniel when he quoted this, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. That's Matthew 24, quoting, um, uh, quoting uh, Daniel. Let me see now. The book of Revelation says that the church will have for a while to flee in the wilderness, Revelation 12. The almost general cessation of the public sacrifice of the mass could be interpreted as a flight in a spiritual wilderness. What is regrettable in our situation is the the fact that many members of the church's hierarchy do not see the current situation as a tribulation, as a divine chastisement, that is to say, as a divine visitation in the biblical sense. These words of the Lord are applicable also to many of the clergy in the midst of current physical and spiritual epidemic, quoting from Luke chapter 19, quote, you have not known the time of your visitation, end quote. Bishop continues, the current situation of this fiery ordeal that Peter refers to must be taken seriously by the Pope and bishops in order to lead to a deep conversion of the entire church. If this does not occur, then the message of the following story of Soren Kierkegaard will be applicable to our current situation as well. Quote, a fire broke out backstage in a theater. The clown came out to warn the public. They thought it was a joke and applauded. He repeated it. The acclaim was even greater. I think that's just how the world will come to an end, to general applause from wits who believe it's a joke. Wow. Diane asks Bishop Snyder, Your Excellency, what is the deeper meaning behind all of this? And Bishop Snyder responds, The situation of the public cessation of Holy Mass and the sacramental Holy Communion is so unique and serious that one can discover behind all this a deeper meaning. 
This event has come almost 50 years after the introduction of communion in the hand, which happened in 1969, and a radical reform of the rite, R-I-T-E, of Mass in 1969 and 70, with its Protestantization, uh, Protestantizing elements such as offertory prayers and its horizontal and instructional instructional style of celebration, and that is freestyle movements, celebration in a closed circle towards the people, all of that. The praxis of communion in the hand over the uh, past 50 years has led to an unintentional and intentional desecration of the Eucharistic body of Christ on an unprecedented scale. For over 50 years, the body of Christ had been, mostly unintentionally, trampled by the feet of clergy and laity in Catholic churches around the world. The stealing of sacred hosts has also been increasing at an alarming rate. The praxis of taking Holy Communion directly with one's own hands and fingers resembles evermore the gesture of taking common food. In not a few Catholics, the practice of receiving communion in the hand has weakened faith in the real presence, in transubstantiation, and the divine and sublime character of the sacred host. The Eucharistic presence of Christ has, over time, unconsciously become, for these faithful, a kind of holy bread or symbol. Now the Lord has intervened and has deprived almost all of the faithful of assisting at Holy Mass and sacramentally receiving the Holy Communion. The innocent, Bishop continues, the innocent and the guilty are enduring this tribulation together, since in the mystery of the Church, all are mutually united as members. If one member suffers, all suffer together. The current cessation of public Holy Mass and Holy Communion could be understood by the Pope and bishops as a divine rebuke for the past 50 years of Eucharistic desecrations and trivializations, and at the same time as a merciful appeal for an abundant Eucharistic conversion of the entire Church. May the Holy Spirit touch the heart of the Pope of the entire church. Oh, I repeated that, I'm sorry. May the Holy Spirit touch the heart of the Pope and bishops and move them to issue concrete liturgical norms in order that the Eucharistic worship of the entire church might be purified and oriented again toward the Lord. Finally, the bishop says one could suggest that the Pope, together with cardinals and bishops, carry out a public act of reparation in Rome for the sins against the Holy Eucharist and for the sin of the acts of religious veneration to the Pachamama statues. Once the current tribulation has ended, the Pope should issue concrete liturgical norms in which he invites the entire Church to turn again toward the Lord in the manner of celebration, that is, celebrant and faithful turned in the same direction toward the Eucharistic prayer. The Pope should also forbid the practice of communion in the hand, for the Church could not continue unpunished 
uh, to treat the Holy of Holies in the same, um, in the little sac- sacred host, in such a minimalistic and unsafe manner. The following prayer of Azariah in the fiery furnace, which every priest says during the offertory, rite of the Mass, might inspire the Pope and bishops to concrete actions of reparation and restoration of the glory of the Eucharistic sacrifice and the Eucharistic body of our Lord. I'm going to end with this prayer. With contrite heart and humble spirit, let us be received. Let our sacrifice be in your presence today and find favor before you. For those who trust in you cannot be put to shame. And now we follow you with our whole heart. We fear you and we seek your face. Do not put us to shame, but deal with us in your kindness and great mercy. Deliver us in accordance with your wonders and bring glory to your name. God bless you, beloved and we'll be live with you tomorrow. God bless you.